Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome in listeners to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. We're always talking everything college hoops, and the start line has found us. The Champions Classic has taken place at MSG, and we were not disappointed with the results or the play that took place inside the world's most famous arena. And we've been trying to give you a whole bunch of great guests to get you ready for the start of the college basketball season. But you know what it's time for? It's time to revisit the original co-hosts here. Mike Randall, where have you been for so long? We're so glad that you're home. The listeners have missed you a terrible amount. Please update the listeners. How's everything going? Have you survived fantasy football? Oh, I am back, Gus. And it's so good to be back. It's so good to come back with you, enjoying life, talking about the sport that is college basketball. I'm so ready to attack. I'm ready to attack coaches. I'm ready to attack players. I'm ready to attack all the mediocre college basketball analysis that's out there. I'm here. Hot takes, definitive opinions, and never taking the L. (laughs) Oh, so good to be back with you. I think the listeners will enjoy this podcast tremendously for that reason alone. Uh, listen, is there anything that you want to plug away for fantasy football here that you want people to be aware of uh, besides, you know, of course, following the podcast at SES podcast, efficiency of keystrokes, of course, and yourself at Randall Rant. Is there anything that uh, you need to let the listeners know about? Absolutely nothing. Folks, I am trying my best to turn this into a full year occupation for myself. That's what I'm doing. So fantasy football and college basketball go hand in hand. There's a little overlap, but really not a ton. So I am in that. You can follow me on Randall Rant. I am doing a weekly pod, the Fantasy Football Mailbag. I'm also doing a weekly betting pod on Fridays with Joe Pisapia, the pre-snap pod there for Linestar app. I have Action Network stuff going on, some stuff for betting pros. But of course, I'm here, the heart and soul, Gus and I, and we're ready to rock and roll. We're actually, Gus, entering year three, aren't we? It's a little disturbing that we're at year three and to be honest. Uh, Honestly, year four. It's actually year four because we went 16 to 17, 17 to 18, 18 to 19, 19. We're starting year four. Crazy. True, true. Wow. That is that is crazy. And, and I'm just glad we're talking college troops. All right, Mike. So listen, we, we found the start line. What I'd like to do is just – I'll give you a couple of takeaways that I had from MSG. Then you give us your three biggest takeaways from the Champions Classic. And we'll just, you know, we'll just start it off that way. We'll start off like old school – and I'll tell you right now that that Kentucky backcourt is just like killer. Though they have three shot makers, they have ball handlers at the ready. They get tested every day by the returning sophomore Ashton Higgins in practice. So when Tyrese Maxey like drops twenty six and looks, or, you know, or, or twenty eight and looks like the best player on the floor, 
in either game at MSG and makes a huge three with the game on the line. I guess the new three-point line doesn't really matter to him. Um, and, and while Maxi was like the flat-out star in the second half, I, I, I saw a few things from Hagens on the offensive end that I did not see ever last season. He had a step-back jumper with the d- defense engaged. Hagens hit a floater in the lane off the dribble off some traffic. If Hagens is going to like create and shot create for himself and run a solid like dribble drive offense and be one of the best defenders in the nation, like, you know, Matisse Thibel like ish level, then this Kentucky team is, you know, capable of winning the whole thing. We'll get to that later. And, you know, Emmanuel Quigley was average at best in the showing and the Wildcats hit all their free throws. The bigs, Montgomery, Richards, and the Bucknell grad transfer, uh, Sestina held the fort down in the paint. Coach Cal's gifted guards only turned it over 10 times, and they defended at a really high level. They held Sparty to under 40% from the field, under 20% from the extended three-point line, and they forced 16 turnovers. Mike, this team, I'm telling you, this team, holy smokes. Yeah, I think most people had your reaction to this. Uh, There was someone we know, big Villanova fan, who came in the next day and is telling me, guaranteed lock it to the final four. I just I like to remind right. everyone that at this point last year, Duke destroyed Kentucky and neither team made the final four. Okay. So I think everyone's got to slow down. Let's face it, teams like Kentucky, Gus, Duke, Kansas, Michigan State, for the most part, are pretty much looking at a sweet 16 floor. Right. Anything less than a sweet 16 is probably a disappointment. Right. So what we're really analyzing here is whether Kentucky will win two games, whether Duke will win two games and neither team did that last year. I will say that Maxi looks like the type of player who can carry a team and really be a five-star true impact freshman. That I agree with. I think it's too early to crown them. This fellow, what we know, this friend of ours, he's crowning them as national champions already, just like that. Really, guys? Well, there's Zion. There was RJ Barrett. I mean, at this point last year, Gus, I was so messed up. I was naming Quentin Grimes an All-American. That's what I was doing right now at this point. And he never had a better game than this. I will say Kentucky looked very good. I think I like the balance of right. having upperclassmen back for Cal. I think that's a nice, mm-hmm. nice fit there. Uh, they're going to have to get something out of Nick Richards. He's very hit or miss. He's very in or out. But I agree. Yes. I think Hagens, I think Quigley, I think all those guys look very, very good, very solid. And Maxi looks like the real deal and a true well-rounded scorer. 26 points, three to seven from three point range. He looked like the best player on the floor out of any of the four teams there. And I, I guess we also have to attempt to that the sky is not falling for Michigan State. I mean, they need to get healthy, you know, Langford out. They need to set rotations if Cassius runs into foul trouble again. That seemed to be one of the, the bugaboos there. Uh, they need to get some more from vets like Tillman and Henry. And uh, I bet that Miles Powell from Seton Hall will have to earn every bucket when Michigan State visits the Rock later this month after seeing what Maxi did against them at MSG. So I guess your quick takeaway from Michigan State, did, is the sky falling or are we still okay with them as 
for slash national championship contender. Yeah, no, sky's not falling. I mean, this is what Izzo does. Right. He has a very tough schedule. He gets a bunch of underachievers right. to play better together. I'm annoyed at myself because it, without Langford, it's really a tough matchup for them. Langford has right. never been there, though. He hasn't been there for the majority of the last two years. So he'll get them going. It'll be fine. It's it's fine. It's just it's a young team, and he always gets them better as the year goes on. So I guess I'm saying fight the knee-jerk, folks. Fight the knee-jerk reaction. Please don't tell me Kentucky's winning the national title and Michigan State's not even making the Sweet 16. Can we calm down, please? Let's see what happens. But I will tell you, Maxie and Kentucky look good. They did look good. I love your rationale. Okay, so let's go to uh, let's go to Kansas Duke. I, I, I think I had this one totally wrong. I went in thinking that Kansas would be really dominant here, and then Duke comes in and, and, and pulls off the win. The Jayhawks turned it over twenty eight times, you know, allowing folks you know from the fog to yearn for that Snoop Dogg show that was on last month. Mike, does Kansas have issues at the lead guard spot? I mean, you mentioned uh, Dotson. Or is Duke that good on the defensive end? Or maybe is it a combination of both? And I guess my question to you is, like, just how good will both of these teams be moving forward? Is Duke going to score enough? And is Kansas going to take good enough care of the ball moving forward if both of these teams are going to look at, like, you know, a possible Final Four and winning those last two games like you talked about? Well, I think Duke – Nice win for Duke. And whenever you're getting points with Duke, I guess you should take it, right? It ended up being Kansas by two, which was kind of odd. Um, right. I thought Kansas with the veterans would be able to take Duke out a little bit, especially because they don't have the offensive firepower that they had last year. Carry was fine, hurt. I mean, it's okay. The question is, is Coach Krzyzewski better with good but not great talent? Do they work right. together more? Or since he couldn't get there with Zion Barrett and and, and Reddish, and Reddish yeah. is he gonna right. get is he gonna really get there with this? So that's the question. They look like a team. They look well rounded. Again, he has zero bench because the problem is you're not going there if you're going to sit the bench. That's where Cal has the advantage. Cal gets you know thirty six <laughs> stars worth of players, right? <laughs> Coach K gets right. one. Coach K gets two. Coach K gets three, and then he's got Goldwire getting zero points. That's what Coach K has. So his schematic is really to ride three top players. Last year, didn't make the Final Four. In fact, hasn't made the Final Four in a while. Okay, So I don't know if this team is going to be better or not because he really has to make them meld together. Um, Look at his bench. He had nine points from Alex O'Connell. He's good because his mom says he's good. Jack, you know, <laughs> we, we, Jack White, Delorier. Right. Okay, fine. Let's see what happens. Um, Kansas will be fine. He'll get it together. Remember, this is a Kansas team, Gus, that got a lot more players than they thought they were going to get. They were a little worried, and I will say this all year. The key to them is Agbaji. Agbaji has to play well. Totally. He's LeGerald Vick. LeGerald Vick started the year on fire and then left the program and is gone forever now. Abaji is the guy who's got to come through because he gives them a wild card. Garrett's solid too. Defender can score a little bit, but that's the guy they need because Azubuki will be okay, but he'll get in foul trouble. That's what happens. And I think the issue that they're going to have to figure out that you know North Carolina has figured out, that uh, Gonzaga has figured out, is is if you're going to play with these two bigs, like you're going to force the other team's cards. So if they're going to stick with that, then they better figure out like this turnover problem because a lot of those turnovers – I mean, I mean, obviously the, the, the post to post passing is not, you know, zag esque like it is with like Tilly right. or, uh, you know, Hachimura like that, that they're they're not that school. They're not that skilled. So if, if, if they're going to play with these two bigs, they got to figure this stuff out and maybe take a little less risk 
uh, around the basket and maybe just go up strong and hope for some foul shots. And, and can they make their foul shots? So right. I, think, I, think, I think they have a couple things to clean up. Yeah, and, and again, this year, we don't have the top of high-end talent that we've had in the past. So I'm not as concerned that when I watch these games, I wasn't as wowed off the screen. I mean, listen, we'd love to have a player that's really great in college, but is not going to be a good pro, <laughs> Zion Williamson. But, you know, we all, can't, <laughs> we all can't have that, you know? So I think we have but, a lot of really good players that I saw with Maxi being the one who could be great this year, so far from what I've seen. Correct. And I think that what I saw from Hagens in the first half, there were some offensive highlights from him and some offensive snippets where that did not happen last year. Like he did, he was not able to shoot that floater last year. He was not able to shoot that step back jumper with the defender in his face and nail that thing. So if, if and again, I think Kentucky, and we'll get to this a little bit later. Um, if Kentucky is going to play with those three guards and, and do that, like that's going to be a little bit crazy. All right, Mike, uh, you know what I'd like to hear? I'd like to hear your two cents on our, our, our interview segments that we've had the last couple of podcasts. Um, so I, I'll shoot a name and like one little thing and you give us a little, like, you know, give us your, your, your feedback on what you thought happened in the, in the interview and maybe what you took away from it. So we, we uh, Matt Norlander from CBS was nice enough to come on and he really likes our guy, Anthony Lamb, and he really liked Jordan Ford and uh, Sam Merrill. So like, was there anything you took away from the, the Matt Norlander interview where, uh, you know, we talked a, a number of different things, and we even even talked some music at the end. Norlander's great. First of all, superior job. I mean, you on your own here nailed Norlander, Doster, Fawcett, Riggs, Jordan Sperber, and Brian Mull. I mean, I don't even know what that means. I mean, that that's a murderous <laughs> row of people. And, and people, you don't realize, folks, if you don't have your own podcast and you, and you have been trying to get these guys, the key is, you. first of all, to get them to even respond is number one, but Gus is a master of that. Number two, coordinating a time that works out for your schedule and their schedule, otherwise known as whatever works out for their schedule, is not easy also. And then, of course, planning the show sheet. So I, I got to give Gus credit here. Kudos. It's not easy. I know for a fact it's not an killed it. Love the interview with Norlander. He's one of the best in the business. I agree with Jordan Ford. I think Jordan Ford is a special player. You yeah. have been driving this bandwagon before anyone else even got on. Okay. He is multidimensional. His shooting, I think, has improved a little bit. His on-the-ball defense is mm-hmm. superior. My only problem with that, and Norlander was talking about them, folks, St. Mary's got to play defense. Okay. And, and they right. don't have Jock Landell inside. So they're going to be a team that is really good at scoring, really good at the pick and pop. Fitz can make threes. Everyone's got a place. And then you get pounded inside because you're soft. That's St. Mary's problem because Gonzaga has pushed them around year after year. So this year, I know they can score. They've got a lot of skilled players. I'm sure they can re- – the flare screen. I mean, how good are they? The flare screen, Gus. Oh, my God. But are you going to – Especially with Kuzi, uh, you know, helping out in the – Oh, play. yeah. Oh, it's just so beautiful. You know, the UCLA cut. I mean, I love it, guys. The problem is you're a donut. You have a hole in the middle, and you're not tough defensively. Now, if they can play defense, they're going to be an issue. But I love the Jordan 4 call and, of course, Anthony Lamb, a guy that we've been talking about since his freshman year. So it was nice to hear you mention him as well. Yeah, I was very happy to hear that he was on board with that because if we go back and hit the rewind button on Anthony Lamb, his freshman year when they played Purdue in the first round of the uh, uh, of March Madness, he matched Caleb Swanigan like punch for punch. Like he put up 20 points against Caleb Swanigan and he was, you know, uh, you know, an All-America that year. So like there, there is no there is no scare. There is no fear in Anthony Lamb's game. I'm excited to watch him like expand his game even further uh, with Rob Doster from NBC. He was all aboard the Jay Huff bandwagon and a couple of other items too. 
But uh, was, was there anything you took away from Dawson? I mean, we talked a little bit like, you know, Kansas and Snoop Dogg and, and SB206 too. Um, but was there anything you took away from that particular interview and uh, things that maybe you think that the, the listeners should highlight or pay attention well, to? Well, Doster's interview was great. And of course, I agree with Jay Hoff. Everyone's sleeping on Virginia Grant. Again, uh, I've been putting out, I'm tracking my bets this year, Gus, on a spreadsheet. So every single wager that I make that you can follow on Action Network, by the way, on the app, I have tracked. Okay. Wow. The, the, unders, the unders are hitting at an incredible rate right now. Off right. the chart. Of course, tonight they ended up going five and four. And I I picked two games that hit the over by one point each. So that's really fantastic. But uh, the Virginia under was the easiest bet in Vegas. They got to get something out of Huff. He can be better than Jack Salt. And they're going to need that because they don't have a Kyle guy and a player like that. They're going to be the holes. The, you know, the, the, the hole is greater than the sum of the parts type of team. But Jay Huff is a guy that we've talked about, has a lot of potential. He's got to get a little tougher. But that Virginia team's defense is just as good. Do not sleep because they don't have Jerome, Guy, or Hunter. Correct. Even though they lost those three guys to the NBA, I mean, Huff put up a double-double against Syracuse. I mean, and they held Syracuse at 34 points and Cole Anthony had 34 points. So we were, we, you know, we're going to give shouts to Luke Neer from the ACC Degenerates podcast. He was on the Jay Huff bandwagon last year when we talked to him. Uh, so, you know, we are, we are just going to like climb on board and we are all aboard the Jay Huff bandwagon. You know, we talked to Eric about, uh, we talked to Eric Fawcett from Gator Country. You know, we talked a, bit, a lot of Florida and I'm going to tell you right now, Mike, there's a couple of places where I've seen Florida ranked number one preseason. So it's not like, you know, we were talking to, you know, uh, you know, it's not like we were talking to Eric for no reason. We were talking to Eric about possibly the number one team in the country and a final four team. So like, what did you take from Eric? And, and do you, are, are you buying on Florida? Are you in on the Gators? Here's the deal with Florida. We know Mike White coaches defense. Okay. And, and, and I think everyone is rooting for Andrew Nemhard to become this great player. They like him. They like Nemhard. Really showed a lot. What did he show last year? What did he show? Could a couple threes, everybody starts screaming. Okay. It, guys, Nemhard has to step up and become a top 10 point guard, a team on a top 10 team. That's what I want to see. I agree with Blackshear transferring. I think that mm. gives them a lot of savvy, a lot of moxie. But the book's out on Mike White. This should be a big year for them. So people like Florida. They're a fun team to root for, SEC, all that stuff. I guess I just want to see more from Nemhart. I want to see it. I think people are projecting that the leap will happen before I've seen anything that tells me it's going to. Um, and I know that um, Eric talked about the fact that people said he wasn't a good jump shooter, um, but that was only off the dribble, like driving kick. He was very good. That was a, that um, was a great point by Eric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great point. It's, it's like saying that a player is really a center is not really good at scoring near the basket, but if he scores exactly 12 feet out from the basket, he was good. No, you, Nemhart, you have to shoot off the dribble. You're the point guard for the team. Like that's an integral skill. So he has to take a leap on that. Can he? Absolutely. Can he be better than Ashton Hagens, who had like 35 steals against North Carolina, went on the side of a milk carton for the rest of the year? Absolutely. He can totally do that. But I, I, I want to see it first. I'm going to be Missouri. With Florida, does that make any sense? Missouri, yeah, yeah you want you want you want them to show you. I got, you. I, I want it. I want it to happen. I like them, but I got to see it first. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so when we talked to Riggs from Barstool, he gave us a, a really cool underrated Final Four team in LSU. Talked a little bit about Xavier and said like that, yeah, they could be a threat in the Big East to win the whole thing. And then also told us, you know, he and I talked about, and he kind of convinced me that Kentucky can win this whole thing because they're really special this year. Um, so what did you take away from uh, what Riggs told us, maybe about LSU, maybe about Kentucky, or maybe about Xavier? I agree with LSU. Sometimes it's addition by subtraction. It would it would be nice to see Xavier come around. I think Xavier's got a little bit of a ways to go because I don't think they're the best team in Cincinnati anymore. I was really impressed with Cincinnati against Ohio State earlier this week. Mm. Um, and he's right about Kentucky. He certainly is going to Kentucky early on. And, and the key, again, is this. Remember, folks, Calipari has only won one title. Right. He only has one title there. Now, that's a lot. Bill Self only has one title. Okay. So it's not like everyone gets two or three, but one more should do it. And he does look like he has a balance of upperclassmen and freshmen, which by the way, I think you need now. I don't know if the ship has sailed and it may have on all frosh winning titles. I don't know about that because it's never happened. Right. Right. And, 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 and unless you go to that Ohio State team that had like Conley and Odin, they made a final four and you're going to that Okafor team with Duke. And Winslow, like you could, you could, you could point those directions, but I still think that there, like you said, there's still that another game to win. There's an additional yes, game that correct. you need to secure, and and that's not always easy for a a, a, a class, a program, a team, uh, a school that's going to be you know depend so dependent on freshmen. And luckily, like Kentucky has a couple of those upperclassmen, whether it be Hagens or Rich, a Richard that they can kind of rely on a little bit, or Cecina from Bucknell. Uh, when we talked to Brian Mull, uh, he, you know, we talked a little CAA and the CAA, you know, one of my, my hometown conference has like le- two legit NBA players in Riller and Knight, like Grant Riller is going to score 25 points a game and Knight is going to put up double, double after double, double for William and Mary. So Mike, what did you take away from like, you know, the, the, I guess the under the radar or maybe some of the uh, mid-major conferences that we talked about with Brian Mull, which is always an awesome, fun conversation. Yeah, Brian's great because we love the mid-majors here, folks, at our hearts deep down. We're a mid-major small school podcast. I talked about how I first started liking college basketball because in 1985 when Villanova won and toilet paper, my dad hung from the ceiling with V's on it. So we are a mid-major pod. The CA is a great conference. Um, he talked about, Nathan Knight, we talked about, senior from William Mary, been talking about for a long time. Yep. Grant Rill has been fantastic for a really long time. I like Eli Pemberton at Hofstra. I think he can step up and do some things. And whenever you lose that best player, we've seen this multiple times you lose the star player but then the team can still improve and you know they're well coached and your guy maddie lewis down james madison so they have some good players there totally agree um I think Rill is going to be the player of the year, no doubt in the conference, but I like it. I like it, it, it's a, this is a year because Gus, your upper echelon teams are not over the top with talent. This is a year that we could get another 
run by a VCU-esque-like team. It could absolutely happen, and that team could come from the CAA. It, it could. I don't know if it will, but I don't, it, it could. And then we talked to Jordan Sperber as well uh, from the Selling Basketball podcast, and you know we kind of nerded out on a whole bunch of stuff, and we talked about teams you can trust. He gave uh, New Mexico State as a team that you really need to keep an eye on. Um, so what do you take away from that particular interview? Was there anything that like you, you kind of keyed in on and you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense? Jordan's great. And if you're not following him, you should do so already. I agree about New Mexico State. They've been a team that's made the tournament, but hasn't really made a lot of noise recently. So you're looking for that team to, to get that win and to move forward. I'm done with the small schools like Nevada and things like that. By the way, again, I can't wait to bet against Musselman in Arkansas. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait. I'm going to do it every game. I'm going to do every single game. But, oh, man, you know, there we go. You, I think that you, if you're going to make a run from a school like that, you do have to be like Utah State, which, by the way, again, your boy, Frey, out in Montana State gave a whole lot of trouble to Utah State. Um, very impressive performance. He had like 36 points. Yeah, but Utah yeah. State is well coached. They run good offense. But again, the problem with the small schools like a New Mexico State, like a Grand Canyon, like a Utah State, is if they lose one piece – that's a big deal for them. So right. no no Kita against uh, for Utah State really made a difference against Montana State. I don't know if they would have covered or not. They probably wouldn't have because Frey was off the charts. But you have to stay healthy with those teams. So the, my one concern is when you're really talking about a, a really big outlier, like a, a not a mid major, like a middling major. Okay, you really have to make sure they stay healthy and at full strength. Totally agreed. Uh, so let, let, let's let's go to a couple other takeaways that we've you know. Some- opening week or whatnot. Uh, Mike, I, I feel like Purdue, I feel like Purdue is going to be fine this year. I, I, I feel like I was a little worried after losing Carson Edwards. And we talked a little bit about this with Jordan Sperber. That, that lineup is gigantic. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you've seen their stuff. Like there is just length everywhere. Harms is a monster at the rim. He even hit a three in rhythm. They're going to be tough to score on. Eastern as a lead guard at the point is really interesting. If he remains healthy, so I think Purdue, when we talked about Jordan, like just one of those teams that you're going to trust along with like Gonzaga and Villanova. I, 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 after getting my eyes on Purdue and seeing how they're going to operate and seeing how long they are at every position and the diversity that they have, they, you know, they have two lefties in the starting lineup, which I, I, I mean, I don't think that's a thing, but like it, it's definitely tricky. And they just, they, they, they're going to defend really well. And you know, the type of offense they're going to run, they're going to be really efficient. So I was really impressed with Purdue right off the bat. And, I, I think the first go around, and you mentioned this a little bit, Mike, the first go around for these teams when they're ranked for the first time is always tricky. And if you remember the last two years when we played this game in Nevada, when they, you know, they, they, they'd scratch the bottom of the top 25 and then they'd lose that game to New Mexico or they'd lose that game on the road uh, to San Diego State or whatever the case might be. Once that number appears next to your program name and the crawl, the target seems to get expensive exponentially bigger and expand beyond belief. And we saw that in St. Mary's. We saw that with Utah State. We saw that even with Ohio State. So, Mike, uh, a couple of takeaways from uh, Purdue and maybe St. Mary's, Utah State, or maybe uh, uh, Ohio State. Yeah, I'm not sure about Purdue. I mean, I think people like Purdue because, remember, Carson Edwards – 
was had there was a negative vibe going on there for a while between him and Painter. You know, he yeah. came across, if you read between the lines, a little bit of a diva. Okay. So yep. there was some issue going on between him and Painter. So Painter may actually have a better team right now for his style, Lunch Pail Gang. It's just tough for me to see this team outperforming last year's, which by the way came in one was two seconds of knocking off Virginia. And then who knows how Correct. far they could have went. Right. Um, but in the Big Ten, I'll put him a notch behind Michigan State. I'll put him a notch behind Maryland. I do think Holtman is a huge coaching advantage with Ohio State. I like them. And for some reason, I'm massively high on Illinois. So I kind of put Purdue in the second tier. Do I think they're going to finish in the top three of the Big Ten, which is really the question. Right now, I'm going to say no because okay. I'm going to have to see them score in the road. Uh, Harms, to me, is a, is, a, is a trick. I mean, he's fine. Do I think he's going to turn into Isaac Haas? No, I don't. No. But, you know, he does a lot of things defensively, length, coming off the weak side for the block. Um, so I have to see more in them. I want to like St. Mary's, Gus. I really do. I put a future bet in on them. It's plus 150 to mm. win the whack. Um, so, you know, Gonzaga obviously is minus. So it was, the, it was the lowest I could get for them as a, as a underdog other than Gonzaga. Right. But they got to play defense and I got to see it. It's hard for me to like St. Mary's when they have no post player. Well, I, I, they're going to have to have a strong guy inside, um, and I, I, I don't think they have that yet, but that's the key to me. But they can score, and Jordan Ford can win games by himself, a la Carson Edwards. He sure can. And, because, and keep in mind that they may not have the post player that's going to defend at the rim, but their pace of play is like a quasi-extra defender. They're not going to – I mean, you, you saw the overtime score against Wisconsin – I mean, they, they, both teams scored in the 60s. Like, and that's the way St. Mary's is going to play, and that's the way Randy Bennett wants to coach, and he really wants to, like, isolate and manipulate every offensive possession. And he's going to let Jordan Ford and Fitz, like, make great decisions on the offensive end, and that's what's going to happen. So even though they don't have that rim defender or that tough guy inside, they do have a system that allows them to kind of, you know, control, manipulate how the game is going to roll every time. And I'll tell you right now, it is, I mean, it's always been a, a, a collision of styles when, when, when St. Mary's and Gonzaga like face each other. And this year it's going to be even more so because I think St. Mary's knows they're on lockdown and knows they need to play their way to get, get past them. And Gonzaga and Few is just going to be like, okay, you know what? We're just going to try to put up 90 on you. We're going to try to run it and we're going to try to throw 90 points up on the board. Deal with it. So I'm totally looking forward to that matchup. I think that matchup is absolutely fascinating this year, especially because it's possible St. Mary's might have the two best players on the floor in that matchup for the first time ever with Fitz and Ford. I mean, a no slight to Kitzburg or, or, or Tilly or anybody else on the, on the Gonzaga roster, but let, let's, let's call it like it is. Like Those two guys legitimately might be the two best players on the floor in that game, so it's going to be fascinating. Uh, another thing, Utah State, like they have that number next to their name, and they barely escape. So I think that's something to pay attention to. And maybe as, you know, as betters, like that's something to pay attention to too. If you have that new team that sneaks into the top 25 and has that urgency next to their name, maybe you take the under, maybe you take them not to cover, maybe you take them not to win that game because that's a real type of pressure that exists every week, every year, and every Monday when that top 25 gets released, every team feels that pressure, every coaching staff feels that pressure. 
Absolutely. Totally agree. And then, like I said, I think the key is watching these small schools develop and projecting to see whether they have the camaraderie, whether they have the balance. And I still believe, Gus, that small schools have to play defense if they're going to make a run. I can't have a small school that outscores people. It's not going to happen now because the talent differential is there. So they're going to have to play defense. And that's what you need to see. Look, it's going to get one game for you. Like, take a look at Marshall, right? Like, take a look at Coach D'Antoni. You can get one game in March with that type of system. But you're not going to go on an extended run unless you're completely balanced. So I totally agree with you. A couple of wagering takeaways from the opening week of College Hoops. I feel like you were kind of keyed into a couple of things. What did your Action Network mind see with the opening uh, day of the sport? And, you know, what, what, what did you see that you're like, ah, oh, yeah, you know what? This might be a trend moving forward for the next couple of weeks, or this is something we should really pay attention to? The two things I want to look at is I don't think that Vegas has adjusted yet. Those college basketball spreads get very, very good once we get to February and March. But early on, if you know these teams, particularly these small schools, you can get some a huge advantage there. First day, I kind of bonked. Utah State was was no good. That did not work out for me um, at all. That was a, a tough loss, which frustrated the heck out of me. I also took a chance because I liked Fresno. I liked uh, the coach coming back from last year. He did a nice job, wrote over the defense from San Diego State. They go up there to Oregon. I know they have Pritchard. I know they have the high school backcourt, but I didn't think Okoro was going to play, which means they wouldn't have a guy above six foot eight. So I right. took the under there and I took the four, the third. And a half, but of course they lose by 14, which is immensely frustrating. The unders, the unders have hit at an incredible rate. Um, I lost a Baylor under on the first day because they made 18 threes. I'll take my chance with that every day of the week, but the unders are something like at a 65% clip. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is if you pay attention, you can get some, some nice numbers there. I did win on the Ohio state minus six against Cincinnati. My argument was Holtman at home. With a veteran team returning, Brandon is new. He's going to try to change the style. So instead of down screen, back screen, now we're looking to get out a little bit. I was impressed by Jaron Cumberland. He played very, very well, but I got a lucky cover there with Ohio State. And then, of course, I took Virginia minus three against Syracuse, a Syracuse team that is really, really young. They play a zone that's not going to fool Virginia, and Virginia has a lot of players back, so that was an easy cover. So early on, doing well, but those are my two takeaways. Go with the under and watch out for those small school lines that Vegas just doesn't have a clue on. And, and we, you know, you talk about UVA there and, and, and Jay Huff had a double double welcome board to the bandwagon, everybody. And then if we're going to correlate that, we can just go sh- stay straight in the ACC and just look at Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony equals Syracuse in the box score 34 points. And it seems like a positive place to initiate some All America talk, Mike. Let's just tell the listeners uh, I, I'll give my All America team, I'm going to start with my man, Cole Anthony. And you tell me what I got right, what I got wrong, where I lost my mind, who I might have left out. And then, you know, after we go over the first, second and third team, I'll just read off a couple of like, you know, honorable mentions and other guys that were kind of like in the mix that I had in the notebook. I'll even pull the notebook up right here so we can just read right off of it. First team, pretty simple, except for I think the last person might be uh, slightly surprising. Uh, Cole Anthony's my first guy. Like And he was my first guy prior to the blow-up against uh, Notre Dame, uh, the freshman from UNC. We've seen what uh, Kobe White has done at the point guard position in a Roy Williams-type offense. We've seen what Joel Berry has done. We've seen what Marcus Page has done. Like Nobody's been as talented as Cole Anthony running the point guard position for a UNC-type offense. And I think this is just scratching the surface, and I think this is going to be like commonplace. 
I think the, the, the 30 point game might show up a little bit more often. I think the, the 11 rebound game might show up. The, the, the eight or nine assist game is going to show up really frequently, really frequently. So I, I have him on the first team. I'm going to put Marcus Howard there from, for Marquette as well. I think he's going to put up bananas numbers. I think playing alongside uh, Kobe McEwen, I think both of those guys are going to create space for each other on either side of the uh, on either side of the court, and they're going to put up a ton of points. And I think because he puts up a ton of points, that 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 that's going to put him on a first team. I think if you don't have a first team without Cassius Winston from Michigan State, I think that's silly. Uh, you know, even though they took the loss the first game in MSG, I think he's going to continue to be one of the best players in the country and one of the best leaders in the country. Uh, Jordan Noir from from Louisville, I think he's going to blow up an average over 20 points a game. He's going to be in the running for player there in the ACC. He's going to have to beat out Cole Anthony, obviously. So I, I think he's going to be – I think Louisville is going to be a top 10-ish team all year. And if they're going to be a top 10-ish team all year, I think he'll be the reason why. And then I really was in on Ashton Hagens. I, I know it would be you know very easy to put Maxi here at this point. But I, I, you know, I was in on Ash and Hagen's previously, so I'm going to put him on my first team as well. Mike, uh, what did I get right? What did I get wrong with the first team there with uh, Anthony, uh, Marcus Howard, Winston, uh, Jordan Wara, and Ashton Hagen's? You know that the freshman's going to get on there, so I think Cole Anthony is totally fine. And one of the biggest surprises from last year was that North Carolina bonked because we talk how Roy doesn't bonk two years in a row. So it was kind of weird to see him bonk again. So this could be the year for old Roy. You never know. Marcus Howard, of course, lethal scorer and, you know, just disappointed that Marquette ended the way they did last year. We went out to Milwaukee and just still frustrated about that. Losing to Georgetown with the Big East on the line, something like that. That was terrible. Uh, Cassius Winston, of course, that's an easy one. That's a slam. I loved Jordan Wara. I think Louisville is very good. I think they're balanced. I think Chris Mack can absolutely ascend here to be a top five team because like we said, the talent is not there. Don't be surprised if Louisville has more talent than Duke on paper when they play. Keep that in mind. I just don't see Hagen's getting there. I, I, yeah. I, I don't like us when I read in the previews about players that have to be motivated. You know, well, I hope he keeps his head on straight and focuses the whole year. That's kind of like a red flag, like fireworks mm. go off when I read that. He's a talented kid. I thought he turned a corner with the big game with all the steals there. I think it was against North Carolina, like I said. And then he yep. really wanted the tank. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make it there. But it's certainly very solid first team across the board. All right, let's go to the second team. We got Miles Powell, our hometown Seton Hall Pirate. As a senior, I put him as the first player on second team. We'll put James Wiseman, the freshman from Memphis, who you mentioned motor stuff. I think that's a, a concern with him. Is he going to play you know, as consistent on the defensive end as he does on the offensive end? I'm going to put Jordan Ford here from St. Mary's on the second team. Uh, I think he's going to put up bananas numbers with unbelievable shooting metrics. And I think the combination of the bananas numbers, shooting metrics, and St. Mary's success as a team – Maybe grabbing one of those wins against Gonzaga is going to put him there. Uh, I, I felt like I need to put somebody from Kansas somewhere, so I put Devin Dotson here. So I, maybe I fell into your trap that you, that you fell into last year. And then you mentioned uh, uh, my last member, uh, Jaron Cumberland from Cincinnati earlier, where if he's healthy enough, he could make first team. I mean, I think the I think the key thing with with Cumberland is is he going to get healthy enough, and is Cincinnati going to gather enough wins? inside the AAC. So uh, I got Powell, Wiseman, Jordan Ford, Dotson from Kansas, and Cumberland from Cincinnati on the second team. Uh, did I, what did I get wrong? What did I get right? What are you, you going to argue with? 
Powell's fantastic. Uh, he he carries that entire team and wins despite his coach. So that's fantastic. There's the first dig of the year, by the way. Uh, James <laughs> James Wiseman, headliner of the top recruiting class in the country. So it's certainly reasonable to see him in there, second or third team. Jordan Ford is a second team All American talent, but the problem is, is St. Mary's going to get to that level if right. they split with Gonzaga? I don't know if that's enough. You know, Gonzaga mm. Gonzaga players have enough trouble when they're dominant getting on like a first or second team All-American, unless you're Ruri Hashimura. So Jordan Ford is going to have to ball out and that team's going to have to produce. Do I think he's one of the top 10 players in the country? I could see it. Do I think he will get the votes to be on second team? Probably not because I just don't mm. buy that St. Mary's is going to be 19-1, and one, which unfortunately because of the East Coast bias, they'd probably have to be. Devin Dotson, you fell into my trap. I went through it with Quentin Grimes. It's sure. just possible that they don't have a player there that is or that is deserving a first or second team. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't know if Dotson can score enough, which is kind of what you have to do to be on this team, which is why I think Jaron Cumberland's an excellent pick. Uh, he could absolutely put up 25, 26 points a game. And in a year where everyone is good but not great and you don't have those elite, definite talents, I mean, would you be shocked if Jaron Cumberland outperforms James Wiseman? No. So, no. yeah, I, I like seniors. I like seeing them up there. I like big scores. And you have three of them right here that I can see. Howard, Powell, and Cumberland. So I'm going to support that across the board. Yeah, no doubt. I think, and, and so the third team, uh, I went a little bit rogue on a couple of things here. We're going to go Alpha Diallo from Providence. I think that's the team that might surprise in the Big East. And I think he might do enough of everything, scoring, rebounding, helpers, defensive end. Uh, switchability on the defensive end, on the perimeter. I think he might be one of those guys that kind of explodes on us as a senior. And then, you know, we end up seeing him being drafted at the end of the first round. And we know how Coach Cooley really puts a lot of ownership on his players and lets them make a ton of decisions on the offensive end. And I think he'll do the same thing with Diallo. I think you got to put Blackshear uh, from Florida somewhere. And so I'm going to put him on the third team. Uh, I, I was way on Peyton Pritchard last year, and I'm not getting off that bandwagon. Uh, I'm going to put him on the third team as well. I feel like you got to put Trey Jones somewhere. He's here on the third team. And then I'm going to put Anthony Edwards from Georgia. And we've seen what, you know, happened at Indiana when, you know, they had Zeller. So we've seen what Victor Oladipo has done. So I think if Edwards is going to get that kind of like – responsibility on the offensive end. I, I, I think that he finds his way onto a team. And if Georgia can get some wins inside the AC, inside the SEC and, and be like a viable team all, all year, I don't see why like he wouldn't sneak his way onto a third team too. So I have Alpha Diallo, Kerry Blackshear, Peyton Pritchard, Trey Jones, and then Anthony Edwards from Georgia. Mike, uh, what did I get wrong? What did I get right? I think Diallo is interesting. His Swiss Army knife-like guy, like Oladipo, I kind of like that. I, I thought that was a very original pick. If Florida is as good as people say it is, it's going to be Kerry Blackshear. It's not going right. to be Andrew Nemhart. I'm just going to say that right now. So can Blackshear be a scorer leaving Louisville with the shackles off of him every play, everybody playing 17 minutes? We have to see. Uh, Peyton Pritchard's fine. Uh, you're higher on him than me. I just don't see him as a big-time scorer. I think there's going to be a lot of 12 and 8 games, 12 and 7 mm. games 
teams. And he's a very valuable player. He's probably one of the most valuable players in the country to his team, but he's going to have to put up some more points. And I do think last year his scoring was a disappointment. He came on during the tournament, but he really could have scored a lot more, even though they played at a slower pace. That was a, that was a team that really struggled on offense, but certainly a great leader, certainly an integral part of his team, very valuable guy and could be, you know, Pac-12 player of the year. Trey Jones is fine. You're going to have a Duke guy on there. I don't see how you do your first three teams without having a Duke guy. So you got to put somebody in there, right? And Trey Jones is the most logical candidate. And Anthony Edwards, we have to see. Do I think Wiseman and Edwards will both sneak on here? No. I think that people are, are going to assume that because of the hangover of frosh, 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 dominate, frosh, dominate, frosh, dominate. I'm going to have to see that. That's a tough conference, the SEC. You know my love for the SEC. So I think that one's a tough one. But I, again, I, I like seeing seniors, and you have three of them on third team. Yeah, I, I, I tried to put one freshman on each team and, and not like totally go freshman dependent. So we went you know, Cole on the first team, Wiseman on the second team, and Anthony on, uh, on the third team. So I, 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 I didn't want to try to totally overload the teams with freshmen, but I think that's what makes sense. And we can – you know, I, I can share a picture of the rest of the guys that we had on uh, in the notebook. You should put that on Twitter. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I think I'll do that. Uh, you know, a couple of the guys, Nigel Marshall, Jarek Harding from Weber State, um, you know, Anthony Lamb, of course, Remy Martin, Grant Riller, Caleb Wesson. So, you know, we have a, a bunch of guys like that in the notebook. All right, Mike, uh, let's get to two more things and then we'll get out of here. Um We'll do some final four picks, and then maybe we'll give the listeners a couple of games to look forward to uh, next week. How's that sound? Does that sound yeah, all right? Give me your final four. Let's hear what your final four is. We got your All American team. Give me your top team coming across the board. Okay, so I'm going to stick with. Uh, you know, we talked about Kentucky on the lead-in. Uh, we covered why they're going to be really special this season. I'm, I'm going to stick with them. I, I know we talked about our, our, our you know, our buddy Mike that uh, also was very high on them uh, when we spoke to Reeks. He was totally on board with this Wildcat team being really different than the frosh heavy teams in the past. Plus I feel like, you know, you mentioned this, like coach, don't you feel like coach Cal is ready for his next title? I'm kind of all in on this Kentucky team and I was all in on them even prior to Maxi and his MSG like magic act and his performance. I was all in on like the lead guard uh, combination that they can bring. So I I, I think Kentucky's going to get there and I think they have a chance to be the team that wins the whole thing this year. I think it's totally reasonable. They, they're just as good as any team that we saw in those first four. So absolutely, I think it's fine. Uh, next team, I, I, you know, you try to get one of the teams that you're like not totally like locked in with. So I, I'm going to go with Ohio State. This is one of the teams that always finds its way to the Final Four. They bring back enough pieces. They got Caleb Wesson. They needed big for easy touches and scores in a grinded-out game. Just reference the Cincinnati game. That's all you need to see. That One of those games is going to happen in the tournament. You got Luther Muhammad, a Jersey tough guard that plays with no fear and is not going to back down from anybody that he's matched up with in the backcourt. You got Andre West in a multi-skilled wing. Kyle Young is going to get more minutes than you think. Throwing some talented freshmen with Alonzo Gaffney, who's 6'9". DJ Carton, the 6'2 point guard, is going to get a ton of minutes. Uh, EJ Lildell, like he's, he made some unbelievable moves against Cincinnati. I was really, I was really impressed with him. Throwing the impact transfer of C.J. Walker from Florida State. And I don't think it hurts to have a coach who's vastly underrated and has a ton of talent to work with with Chris Holtman. And this is like, you know, think of this as like your four or five or six seed that makes the Final Four run. I think it's the Ohio State Buckeyes. So I, I tried to go a little off the radar there with that pick and not give you just the generic 
Like, I think like, you know, Kentucky and Kansas are going to make the final four. Totally like it. Love it. I love Ohio State. Love the coaching. Love the Wesson brothers inside. Absolutely has all the makings of a team that can make a final four. I think it's a brilliant selection. Okay. Here's the one where people might lose their minds and call us crazy. Ready? We all want to find that one team. We all want to find that Loyola Chicago. We all want to find that George Mason. And I was a little bit on this bandwagon last year. And as long as they are healthy, I think there's a shot. I think there's a chance. I think there is a possibility that the Harvard Crimson could make the final four. This is a 100% Seth Towns is completely healthy and going to ball out type of reservation. Like I have that reservation for the selection. If he's not healthy, then I'm going to remove this. I think Towns was an unbelievably gifted shooter, and he was the player of the year in the conference two years ago before he was hurt. Bryce Aiken is like a Jordan Ford level type scorer in the Ivy. He put up 38 points against Yale in the Ivy final. Chris Lewis is back as a senior to hold down things inside. We got wings with Kirkwood from Canada and Justin Bassey who can shoot and create and give that needed room on the offensive end for Towns and Aiken to do their thing on the wings. Kirkwood might even take another step uh, after a really stellar frost season where he was one of the top freshmen in the, in the country, one of the top freshmen in the, in, in the league. Uh, Danilo, I, I practice this, Duchacic can do a little bit of everything. Gesundheit. Thank you. Uh, at 6'8", he can shoot it. He can help on the boards. He can even score at multiple levels. And our favorite guy is Christian Huzang who can play on the ball or off the ball. He can defend the heck out of any guard in the nation. He's tough as nails, and he's that glue guy that every Final Four team needs. So I'm going way off the reservation here. Again, if Seth Towns is healthy, Harvard is going to be your surprise team in the Final Four. Uh, yeah. I, Go ahead. I, you're, we love the Ivy. And, and and you love the Ivy as well, and and you love Harvard. Okay, um, I, I don't see it happening. <laughs> I, but but there. Is, but listen, I I like the spirit of it, which is that there's going to be a team that no one thinks is going to make it that's going to make it. Um, and we've seen Harvard win tournament games many times now. Uh, I, I'm not sure about this one. Um, and, and again, we went back and forth last year on Yale for a long time. Um, they do. If, if an Ivy team is going to do it, they are going to have to play defense, which they do. Um, and I do agree with you that I think that Bryce Aiken is a special shot maker. I think he's got the equality. I think he's got the game winning shot type of guy. Um, all right, let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I I love that you didn't totally blow me up on that one. That's great. <laughs> no, I, how can I blow? Listen, bro, we've seen VCU make it. Cornell won. Cornell won two games. I mean, it's not. Listen, it's. I'm not saying I I would pick it, but do I think it's outlandish? No, I don't. Well, you're being very kind there. Um, I, I think people are coming to the screen screen of college basketball podcast, not for your Michigan State's going to make the final four picks. So there's your like way outlandish pick. They got the opposite of that. <laughs> and then I'm going to go a little homer here. I, I, you know, I think I think UNC it, it can make the Final Four again this year. I know I feel like I've picked them like every preseason uh, during our podcast, but I feel like it, as long as Baycott is going to make his free throws, like I think this pick is going to fly. I think Leaky Black can fill like the Theo Pinson role on the perimeter, both on offense and defense. I feel like Justin Pierce can get some Cam Johnson like uh, a freedom from the three-point line, maybe slightly less volume. 
Uh, I feel like they can play three lead guards at once. They can play Cole. They can play Leakey. They can play uh, Christian Keeling. Uh, like Kentucky can play three lead guards. They certainly will score enough. Offensive rebounding will still be a factor for them. They can play big if the matchup is warranted. And to be honest, this is just like a this is like a Cole Anthony pick. I think he just might be that good this year as a lead guard. I think he's going to be as good as Carson Edwards. I think he's going to be good as Kobe White. I think he's going to be good as De'Aaron Fox. I think he's going to be as good as Kyrie was supposed to be during his lone year at Duke, but injuries limited his opportunities for greatness in college and for Duke's success overall. I think Cole's going to put up nutty numbers all year. I think it's going to be tough to stop off the bounce. And if you need to guard him at 25 feet and find him right away on scramble plays, which UNC is going to run all the time when they run, he's going to be more than crafty enough with the ball to create for others and himself after dismissing and attacking panicked closeouts by other defenders. I think that he's going to just constantly create and make great decisions. And I think he can do that for six games to get them to a final four. Yeah, one of the I agree with this one. One of the things that was so, I mean, a lot of things happened last year that I was unsure about and shocked about. I mean, listen, number one, of course, Gus was you and I champion. And folks, if you go back to our podcast feed, we said this was the Tony Bennett redemption tour. We talked about it since as soon as they lost that first round game. Okay, the reason that we kind of jumped off, or I should speak for myself, I was hesitant. And I picked them on an Action Network podcast interview. Stucky and I did one together. And we we went through the bracket and actually picked the bracket. And we had Virginia versus Virginia Tech in the finals. Don't ask. Okay, we just went game by game. It was fine. But it was the way in which like every game we thought it was over. Purdue, we thought it was over. Texas Tech, we thought it was over. Um, even, even, you know, against um, Bruce Pearl and Auburn, we thought it was over. I mean, we constantly thought first round they were down at the half right right like they just didn't look good that's what it right. was but if you asked me mid-season i would have said virginia could have won the title so it's just the way it happened north carolina to me was a massive disappointment i just expected them to get going and to get things together and it never happened so it would not surprise me if roy gets it going together this year and gets to the final four so i think this is a fantastic pick yeah, and I think that, again, I was on this prior to the Cole Anthony blow up uh, his, his first game, but I think that I think there's enough talent in place there, and there's a, an interesting recipe of players that Roy gets to, like, you know, mix in and, and figure out what the right, you know, measurements are. I, I think he's going to get it right. All right, Mike, let's get out of here on a couple things. Let's get out of here on three games the, the listeners can look to forward to next week. Uh, I'll give you my two cents. You give me your two cents on Monday. We got – Samford and Belmont. Do you, are you looking forward to like the offensive matchup here? Do you think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game? Yeah, I always want to see how Belmont is going to do. And now no Rick Bird, right? He's gone. Right. So I want to see how the adjustment happens with the coach. I have a similar feeling about Michigan with Jawan Howard. Um, and again, in Montana State with a new coach this year, and they actually performed very well. So always good to see these two teams. Samford, of course, was in the ba- in the running last year um, to be a team that we really like that could maybe sneak in and get hot at the end of the year and make the tournament. So a battle of two of our favorites. Absolutely. No doubt, and uh, with Nick Mazuski in the middle, I think they're, uh, Belmont's going to you know put up some big numbers as well. Let's go to Tuesday. Let's go Oregon and Memphis. We got two ranked teams. We got two high-profile programs now with Memphis back in the fold. Mike, you got a feel for the Ducks and Memphis and Penny and his crew led by a freshman, James Wiseman? 
Yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting one because I want to see the talent from Memphis, number one. And I like that they're going against a great coach in Dana Altman. They're going against a great point guard, Peyton Pritchard. And they're going against a team that's going to play solid defense and had success in the tournament and almost be Virginia themselves last year. So I think it's a nice clash of new school, old school, veteran experience versus the young. Like to see it. It's, it's, a, it's a great stylistic clash is what I'm saying. I want to see how Peyton Pritchard holds up against the top end athletes that Memphis is going to throw out at him. I think it's going to be like a very telling thing moving forward. You know, if he has like an NBA uh, future, I think it's going to like tell, paint the picture exactly right away. And, you know, to be honest, I want to see I want to see Wiseman like switch out on Pritchard or Richardson, like on the perimeter and see if he can guard guys on the perimeter and be like a little versatile defensively. I think that's just something I'm looking forward to seeing Wiseman do. I, you know, we can know we can score it. He can shoot it a little bit. He's going to be a force inside. But I want to see if what can he do on the defensive end? Can he, you know, is he switchable? Uh, and can he be one of these like modern day bigs? I, I, I kind of want to see that. And I think this, this game against Oregon is going to really tell us that. And then Wednesday, Mike, we got LSU, who Riggs really liked for the Final Four, versus VCU, who Brian Mull really liked as a surprise team that could make a run somewhere. So we have two like kind of like te- under the radar teams that, you know, experts really appreciate and really look admired uh, facing off on like this week, which is bananas. VCU did not cover in their opening game at home against St. Francis of Pennsylvania. Now, I think St. Francis, Pennsylvania is better than people realize, but it was only. Chief Braxton is a monster. Look out. It was only 72-58. So I kind of want to see which VCU team is here. Have they taken a step back? Santos Silva is excellent. Uh, that's what I'm kind of curious about. You know the style, how they're going to play. And it's always great to see a small school that's going to get up and down the floor with one of your larger schools. So interesting. I like LSU. want to see how they're going to react. And I want to see if VCU is for real. If that's St. Francis win, but it was close for a while. If that says more about VCU or more about St. Francis. I agree. And of course, you know, uh, Wade coming from the VCU tree and so on and so on. You want to see how that uh, coincides as well. All right, Mike, let's get out of here with two awesome performances in our sport. And this is the perfect way to end the, like, the Welcome Back to College Basketball podcast. You got Kalen Bennett of Kent State. He is the first player diagnosed with autism to sign a letter of intent to play D1 basketball this opening week. Bennett scored the first points of his college career on like an end one on a pretty sweet post move, which was really, really cool. And then we also got the joy of seeing Andrew Jones of Texas seeming like he's fully healthy after putting up 20 points while on the road to recovery from leukemia with the Longhorns. We're going to say cheers to Jones. Cheers to Bennett for finding top level success in our sport after fighting so many obstacles, so many labels, and so many physical limitations. Like, I'm in legit awe of their efforts, both of those guys. I think it's really cool that our sport has highlights like those that go along with Cole Anthony's and Maxie's that let us in and, like, will catch our attention. But there's other stories there too, Mike. It's wonderful stories, perseverance, resiliency, which a lot of young kids don't have nowadays. They give up way too easily. These are wonderful messages that we should teach our children, no matter what they have, no matter what adversity, what obstacles they have in front of them, they can always move forward. Both stories are great. Andrew Jones, fantastic to see him back here. And Bennett is a special kid. Absolutely thrilled for both of them. They are exactly the type of stories that our sport needs to promote more. 
All right, listeners, we know this is a meaty one, but Mike and I had to get through a whole bunch of things here. So thank you for riding it through. We hope this provides a, a commute or two for you on the way to or from work. And we've entertained you and got you ready for the college basketball season and, and, and the start line and, and the excitement that we've had with everything. And uh, if you like what you're listening to, please don't forget, the pod, don't, don't forget to give the podcast a kind review on your podcast consumption vehicle of choice. Give five stars, say nice things about Mike, say nice things about our guests. That'd be awesome. And uh, to be honest, we'll catch up with you before you know. We got a couple more cool guests lined up and uh, we'll be in your ears and your earbuds and your speakers, uh, hopefully, uh, and keep you company on another commute with some more college basketball chatter. Sound good, Mike? Sounds fantastic, man. Can't wait. All right. Cheers. Salancha. Grazie a everybody. 